children <laughs> to the Jeff becomes Jeff podcast Halloween special Ooh. all right that that little haunting who that you heard over there that's mr. Stevie Cade hello what's up Stevie and of course for the Halloween special I had to make sure that I included you because I know that you're just a huge fan of all things Halloween you're a huge fan of horror films yes so I thought, who better than to have on the Halloween special with me than Mr. Stevie Cade. So welcome back to the podcast. Thank you, Jeff. I appreciate you having me. All right. So really quick, I'm going to knock out the boring shit, but I do find some of this stuff fascinating. And then we're just going to have some open discussion about things that we fucking love about Halloween. And kids, put your panties on because there's going to be an episode of Jeff's Asshole Trivia to wrap this episode up. And I'm very excited. I feel like I've done a good job being an asshole with the questions. So we'll see. Doesn't always work out in my favor. Favor? Favor. (laughs) But we'll see. So really quick, the origins of Halloween. So I don't know how much of this you are aware of. A lot of this was kind of new information to me. There's certain things I kind of knew. But it started with Celtic civilizations, and it was first documented in the 9th century in Irish literature. So approximately 2011 years ago is when it's first documented. Back then, in Celtic traditions, they would celebrate their New Year on November 1st because that's when harvest was pretty much done and it was winter coming and all this stuff. And they felt like on the day before the New Year that there there was almost like a portal open where the dead could kind of rejoin the living. So they would have something called Samhain, which we've heard, you know, Dr. Loomis say in Halloween, Samhain, Michael. Um, But they also called that All Hallows' Eve, and they would do that on October 31st. Again, as I mentioned, represents change of seasons, represents a new year. And it was also because they believed that ghosts returned to the earth on that night. Now, In the 8th century, so just one year prior to this documented Celtic belief or tradition or whatnot, Pope Gregory III designated November 1st as All Saints Day. So now we have All Hallows' Eve and Celtic traditions on October 31st, All Saints' Day on November 1st, and that's when we would celebrate all of the saints. You know, it's kind of like Black History Month. It's quite the dynamic. Yes. But now back to the Celts on Samhain on October 31st, they would light bonfires and they would wear costumes, usually like animal skins and animal heads and stuff like that. Oh, the costumes back in those days were just absolutely fucking nuts. Oh, I'm sure. Like, just terrifying because they got to keep they got to scare the fucking dead away. They got to scare away the thing they're scared of. Is that what they're doing? Are they scaring it away or are they just trying to like hide amongst them? Uh, you know, I'm not sure. I didn't. It could be that. So yeah, all of you guys go do a little fucking Google research. Figure that one out on your own. Um, but one thing they also did is they would burn crops and animals as a sacrifice to keep the demons away. So now they're just killing, not only are they killing animals so they can wear their skin, hello Clarice, but they're also just throwing animals on the fire. The irony of them doing that to keep demons away by acting like demons to all these poor right. creatures that they fucking murdered for this shit. Yeah, it's it's crazy. But you know what? This is back in the day. People, they didn't understand uh, basically how the world worked. They lived in these small little you know microcosms of their world and their corner of the world. They weren't necessarily exposed to anything that was happening more than 100 miles away or whatever. Of course, it would spread throughout the land. Celtic is, you know, Scottish, Irish. It covers a, a larger swath. Ooh, I used the word swath. Maybe it's... I, I don't even know that word. <laughs> I think I used it properly. So anyway, moving on to keep just the boring history going. 34 years later, after the 9th century, Rome had conquered most of the Celtic regions, and then over the next 400 years, they started to incorporate two of their own celebrations into Samhain. Samhain. So they kind of merged and acquired Samhain. So they had two. One was called Feralia, or Feralia, I don't know how that's pronounced. It was a day in late October when Romans would commemorate the dead. So, okay. 
okay, that's kind of fitting. And then the celebration of Pomona, the Roman goddess of fruit and trees, and primarily the apple, which might explain the correlation between Halloween and bobbing for apples. Yeah, I guess... Why not? (laughs) Yes, I know. Okay. In 1000 AD, the church dubbed November 2nd All Souls Day to honor the dead. So now, again, this is kind of that merging and that morphine of different holidays and trying to find a day that works with everyone's schedule. I'm busy on October 31st. How does November 2nd work for everybody? (laughs) (laughs) But the Celtic festival still took place on October 31st. So now it was kind of merged, but I think also, you know, the church and the Roman Empire, they were maybe trying to establish their own holidays, even though it's all super tied together and relevant to each other. So by the mid-1800s, we're fast-forwarding to not that long ago, Irish immigrants brought Sam Hain and Halloween traditions to America when they came over. And at what they would do on October 31st is they would go to their neighbors and they would ask for money. They would ask for food or and or they would pull these horrific pranks. I mean, these were horrific pranks. Ah, so that would be the beginning of trick or treat. Correct. And then in the 1920s, the pranks had gotten so out of control and expected every year by local communities that they started having family-friendly celebrations of the holiday to try and keep that stuff at bay. Yeah, tone that shit down. Right. Yeah. So essentially, Halloween as we know it today it was crowd control. You know, it was basically, these fucking pranks are killing me, you stupid Irish folk with your silly toilet paper. I don't know that they were teepeeing houses back then. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, fact check when teepee was invented, please. But shortly after that in the 1920s is when the candy company started to get on board, and then that's how, you know, candy got incorporated into the treat aspect. The trick was already there. Yeah, how can we make money from this? All right. Capitalism. 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 All right. You guys are welcome for that weird trail of shit. All right. Welcome to what happens when you have Stevie on the podcast. Yes. So I have brought us up to speed. Learning segment over, children. Thank you for allowing me to do that. So let's talk about our love for Halloween. Now we're just going to have some general discussion. As I mentioned, I know you're a huge fan of horror films. Yes. I am as well, raised on them. I was just on your podcast recently, and you told me a story about Nightmare on Elm Street. Yes. I'll let you tell the story. Oh, boy. Um, Yeah, so I was about three or four years old, and I was obsessed with Nightmare on Elm Street. We had a VHS of it, uh, because for you younger folk, a VHS is a precursor to uh, Blu-rays and DVDs. And... My parents would often find me watching this movie by myself, like in the middle of the night. And it became an obsession. Like, I was so scared of this character that I wanted to, like, befriend him in a sense. Right. And the devil you know. Right. Well, long story short, there was one day we were driving in a car, and my parents were like, Hey, what do you guys want to be when you grow up? And my brother and I were sitting in the back seat, and my brother says he wants to be a fireman or a police officer or something like this. Mm -hmm. And they're like, Oh, that's, that's, Commendable. What do you want to be, Steve? I'm like, I want to be Freddy Krueger so I can grow up and kill all the girls. (laughs) And yes, ladies, I am single. And seven years later, he was released from the institution. Doctor says I'm better now. (laughs) So yeah, that's, I mean, I wasn't to that extent now. We have a bigger age disparity. So when Nightmare on Elm Street, the original came out, I don't know, what was that, like 1982 or something? Okay, 84. So I would have been nine years old. So I was one. And... The development of VHS and stuff, that was still new on the horizon. Beta and VHS were still having a fight to see who would win that battle. Luckily, my parents were smart. They went VHS and VHS beat Beta. All you Beta people can suck it. I remember going to movies when I was way too young because my parents wanted to see certain movies in the theater. And it's just easier sometimes for them to take the two boys, my my brother who's two and a half years older than me. And I saw some, I remember going to see Twilight Zone, the movie in the theater. I, again, that had to, I don't know that I was even 10 years old. And while it's not a terrifying movie, the opening sequence, and then the last segment with the plane, that shit was pretty terrifying. Yeah. Yeah. The, the classic plane uh, bit is really just, it's amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, both versions of it. One with John Lithgow and the other one with uh, William Shatner. Right. Yeah. And just like Poltergeist. Like, I remember Poltergeist as a kid. That was it just my parents raised me on that shit. I remember one time we were in Wellston, Ohio, visiting my grandma. My dad took me and my brother to this shitty little small town movie theater. And 
it must have been October or something, but they only had one movie playing, and it was called, I want to say it was like One Dark Night or something like that, and it was these teenagers that had dared themselves, essentially, to go spend the night in this supposedly haunted mausoleum. And it's terrifying. And I was this little fucking kid. It's just because my dad wanted to see a movie. And this was the only thing we could see. So I understand what you're talking about, like being so young and being so influenced. I mean, do you feel in any way that that desensitized you to stuff? Oh, I'm sure it did. Because it became a fear-driven, but a, a fear-driven curiosity. Mm-hmm. You know, and that curiosity, you want, you want to find out more. Yeah, it definitely desensitizes you a bit. But at the same time, when getting older, that nostalgia that I have right. looking back on, you know, specifically Nightmare on Elm Street, like I, I get that same excitement. You know, I mm-hmm. know it's cheesy and corny now, but like I still love it for what it is because it did pique my curiosity into horror franchises and even like real life, you know, scary things, you mm-hmm. know, ghosts, ghouls, goblins, and what have you. But again, Maybe desensitizing the movie aspect of it, but opening up that world of like, man, of the supernatural that could possibly exist. If, if you're desensitized, you're going to try to find scarier things. Right, right, exactly. Yeah, yeah and it's, there's a lot of thrill in fear. I mean, that's the whole concept behind jumping out of an airplane or a roller coaster or exactly. something. I, I love roller coasters because you're basically feeling like at any second I'm going to die. But you also have this in the back of my head. This is safe. No one's ever died on a roller coaster before. <laughs> right. Uh, it's funny you bring that up because I've always compared. Um, I, I used to have a ghost hunting team back in the day. And I always compared when a situation was amplified and we were like possibly onto something. Mm-hmm. It felt like a roller coaster. You're like you had that that fear, but there was a, an excitement type right. of fear. And it's just you know the what we call the butterflies in the stomach, or where it's just yeah. it's almost like it's not quite a sick feeling, but it is at the same time. I mean, it's very that's a very hard sensation to put your finger on. But yeah, like as a child, so. Let's kind of say maybe up until like 13, 14. And when I said desensitized, it's not a bad thing. I think I was too. But like you said, it makes you want to go out and seek more and more. But it also gives you, it's like the harness on a roller coaster. You have that feeling of, I know this is going to scare the piss out of me. But I also know that when it's over... I can just go to bed or I can go to McDonald's or whatever and it, this movie's over. It's just a movie. Right. So like what is are there any other movies other than Nightmare on Elm Street that you feel like really sat with you or maybe disturbed you despite the desensitivity? Yes. Um Flatliners. Oh yeah. That movie fucked me up. Really? Oh yeah, because it, And it's done kind of realistically as well. Well, yeah, even more yeah, the, that's why. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, because I already keep using that word but desensitized from Nightmare Nightmare on Elm Street, it was a level up to me. It wasn't it wasn't a mysterious man that, you know, a demon that lives in your dreams. This was something that well, your this, own demons. Right. This could exactly. This could actually happen if you believe in that supernatural sort of thing. Right. So, you know, for anyone who doesn't know Flatliners, it was these medical students that were kind of researching or doing experiments to see, you know, if you died and they could resuscitate you in a certain period of time. They knew all the medical ways to bring you back, but there were certain things that you would see after you died, but then if they brought you back, you were bringing some of those things back with right. you. So, And a lot of those things were things you didn't have closure on. Right. You know, or the, or the characters didn't have closure on. And now the characters were forced to have to undergo their own deaths multiple times yeah. to try and confront and stop these things before it killed them in the real waking world. So God, it's frightening. It was. It's it a very fucked up movie. Awesome movie. Kiefer Sutherland, Julia Roberts, yep. Billy Baldwin. Uh, there's another guy I'm forgetting. Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon. How did I forget Kevin Bacon? Right. But yeah, fantastic movie. I remember seeing that in the theaters. Yeah, I'm trying to think if there's anything that really like stuck with me. I do remember Children of the Corn, my brother and I, it was late one night, pay-per-view was brand new to cable services, and Children of the Corn was on. Now, back then, pay-per-view wasn't on demand. Like, you'd have to wait. Children of the Corn would start at 2 a.m., 5 a.m., or whatever, and if you didn't start the fucking movie right when the movie started, there's no catching up. You're just going to miss the beginning of the movie. So it was like a 1 o'clock in the morning start time for Children of the Corn. So we're little, again, I'm probably barely double digits, and we're staying up late. We're on the pull-out hideaway bed in the sofa in the downstairs area of the bi-level, and we watch this movie, and it doesn't help late at night 
as a little kid, there's no parents around. The only other person to save you is this other scrawny little fucking kid that you call your brother that you know would throw you in front of a fucking, <laughs> you know, attacker to save himself. That one messed with me because it was kids. So you related big time to many of the characters. And just, I remember Malachi. He wants you too, Malachi. Like the fucking line that it's giving me chills right now just doing the impression of it. I, rem- I really miss those types of nights, you know, you'd have, if it was Friday the 13th, you know, you'd have the Friday the 13th series playing on your TV. The marathon. Get, right. And again, no DVR, nothing yeah. like that. You, you, you're you just there. So you plan around it. You're like, we're going to order pizza. We're going to have candy and then get scared shitless with our friends. Right. Like, sprinting to the bathroom on commercial breaks yeah. to take a piss because otherwise you're going to miss it. You can't yeah, pause it. I, I miss that. Yeah. I miss that so much. You know, it's something that I still try to create now, mm-hmm. you know, with my son who doesn't like horror movies, but I force it upon him. So like, <laughs> I'll be like, hey, we're going to watch Evil Dead tonight. And he's like, neat. Thanks, dad. I'm like, just smile and have pizza right. and enjoy this with me thank you <laughs> evil dead there's another good one i'm a huge fan of the remake i'd have to go watch that again i mean i remember the you know obviously the original wasn't that like a college project uh i don't know uh, the those types of details i wouldn't be surprised i think it was i think um, it was like a for a grade they were making that movie and then they just got so into it that it became so much more yeah and they it definitely evolved from the first movie and it became more comical as it went right, on. Of and, course. and rightfully so it's like one of the few franchises that that actually worked right you know where it becoming funnier became what it is and mm-hmm. then what you know ash versus evil dead you know on showtime now which is what it evolved to is fucking fantastic. Yeah. It's so funny, so gory. It, it, they did that algorithm correctly. Yeah, no, and it, it also makes it very standalone, especially in that era where I think most people, even though they may have seen the success, especially with Evil Dead 2, where that horror and you know the, the rogue hand and all of that stuff, I think a, lo- a lot of filmmakers they didn't want to try and emulate or recreate that vibe because when they made a horror movie, they just wanted to make a scary fucking horror movie and trying to throw that humor in, if you don't have the right chemistry or the right person and mentality to do that, it's just going to ruin your movie. Or if you're forcing it. Yeah, absolutely. We're looking at you, uh, Freddy's Dead. (laughs) That one was fucking terrible. Where He tried to kill the kid with a road map. Oh, fuck Oh, I don't even remember. That I one was in 3D. I remember seeing that in the theater in yeah, 3D. It was, it was, it's by far the worst, Freddy. It's where they tried to do that comedy horror aspect because Freddy kind of went in that direction. Oh, and, yeah. And that was just like, okay, fuck. We, we, we shit to bed on this one. Yeah. You know? And I love Freddy, but it oh, yeah. definitely became shtick. You know, as time went on and it was all these quick little one-liners, how sweet, fresh meat, you know, just even lines like that that aren't inherently silly, the way he would deliver it made it sticky. Right. And it all started with Welcome to prime time, bitch. You know, oh, like, oh yeah, but that was great. When it was that Dream Warriors where he yes. picked her up and slams her head into the TV. Yep, that was and that was fantastic. That was well done. And that oh yeah, movie, that movie had a few of those in there. And then they're like, like the marionette where he's like pulled the veins or the tendons out of the dude's arms, and oh, there's a giant Freddy controlling him, walking him Freddy. out. Oh, that was brilliant. That oh was, yeah. That's probably, I mean, at least growing up, that was the one I would go back to over and over more than any other in the franchise. Yeah, that is a quintessential Freddy movie to me because it's the first Freddy movie where we actually get who we know Freddy to be. Freddy right. didn't have have that humor in the first movie. The second movie, we don't really talk about too right. often, uh, which I kind of do like it, but for different reasons. Um, but the third one was... You like it for to... all the homoerotic subtext. Uh, yeah, you got me, man. <laughs> no, I, actually, Freddy 2 is one that I really enjoy. I don't really enjoy the movie, but I love the concept of it. It was just executed very poorly. So I would really like there to be a remake of that, but done better. So I have been, and I do this every year, I am. I binge, binge, binge binge horror movies in the month of October. I know you've got your TV channels that do the, you know, 13 days of Halloween. Yeah. Why don't you do 31 days, you dumbass? Some do. I'm sure they do now. But I am, I think, let's see, it is, what's today, the 25th? Yeah. Of October, when we're recording this, this is going to come out uh, on Thursday, just before Halloween. I'm already right around 30 
horror movies that I've watched so wow. far in October. So I will average more than one a day. And I mean, I always watch at least one a day. And one of the things that I'm including is Squid Game, which is a series on Netflix. But while a lot of people would argue that it's horror or not, if you look at the components of it, the gore level, yeah. the psychological terror aspects of it it, it, it classifies as horror, in my opinion. Have you seen it? Not a single episode and have no interest. It was pretty decent, but it's very hard to get past the subtitles. Well, or the uh, overdubs. It's not just that for me. I have a hard time with series. You know, like you know, like just watching a series of something. Gotcha. You know, I, I like. You know, I I run a movie channel where I talk about movies and stuff like that all the time. So, like finding time to actually follow a series as opposed to watching the movies of the week, you know, all this stuff. Mm-hmm. I just don't have time for it. Right. You know, to follow. And again, a I have to like. And I I normally would not do this. And I'm staying up later on many nights because I have to do the things that I need to do before I can start the movie. Just like last night when I watched Poltergeist, I don't think that I started the movie until after two a.m. Oh, and wow. about halfway through it, I'm thinking. Maybe I'll just finish this one tomorrow, but the movie is just too fucking good. So I just good. couldn't. It is what it is. I'm going to be up late, and I'm finishing this fucking movie. Did you ever see the reboot? I did. I actually just watched that. I don't think I counted it in my list because I think it was in September or maybe August. But my son was watching the original Poltergeist, and I was up here in my office, and I could hear the soundtrack downstairs. And I went down, and I'm like, oh, you watching Poltergeist? He's like, yeah. And I'm like, well, the remake's pretty good. You should check that out, too. I'd only seen it once before. I did watch it after that because it got me thinking about it. It's okay. Yeah. Yeah. It's nowhere near as good as the first. Well, and here's the problem. It follows the story closely enough and uses a lot of the same things like the clown and stuff like that. And now they're trying to somehow make it better when it was already done brilliantly and perfectly the first time. Unless you're able to tell the story in a different, completely different way, yeah, just leave well enough alone. Yeah, we've already seen it. Right. And like Poltergeist 2, I used to love that one. You know, it got a little cornier, but at least it had the majority of the cast. And I'm sure you're aware of all of the tragedy that befell upon the Poltergeist crew. Yeah, I I was just about to ask if you knew about some of that. Well, yeah, the the older... A uh, daughter from the original movie died before the second movie was made. She was, like, raped and killed up on a hill or something like yeah. that. Um, obviously, Carol Ann, the little girl, she didn't live past the... S- Maybe she made it to the third one with Tom Skerritt, where they're, like, in a high-rise building. But I think she died during the making of that movie, and they had to use a lot of, like, the back of another girl's head to... Yeah, I, I can't remember exactly how she died, but I know it was... Like just in, again in a tragic way. Not saying I think that, it was like pneumonia or something. Yeah, something, something just like out of the blue, which most deaths are. But you know, it wasn't like a you know a slow death of cancer right. or something like this. It was it was something that just showed up, killed her, and she was dead in a few months. But there's a lot more. Like if you research, like there's just a fucking laundry list of shit that went wrong on sets. That's a little weird. Even though I'm not a believer in you know like the ethereal world and shit like that. I'm also still an open-minded individual and don't consider anything 100% impossible. So there's a lot of fucking weird shit. Well, there's a big irony in this movie. And the irony being, you know, the the reason why they have a poltergeist is because they built the house on, you know, old burial grounds. Right. And they, they didn't move the bodies. Right. The irony is during that pool scene where the pool is filled with water and she falls in or mm-hmm. it, she falls in and you see all the skeletons. Those are real skeletons. <laughs> And they, did they not tell her about it? Right. Yeah. It, but that's th- just the irony of them using real skeletons oh, yeah. in this movie, talking about disturbing the dead. Right. Maybe. Maybe you know, life, uh, uh, life imitating art. There. Yeah, but I'm pretty sure they didn't tell. Uh, what is it? Mary Beth Joe Williams. I don't know some shit. The the mom in the original Poltergeist. I don't think they told her about the skeletons before it happened in the filming. So her reaction was visceral and real. Yeah. So yeah, great movie, but again, just one that I started late. So I'm still going to continue. I'm saving Halloween one and Halloween two. Sunday. I will watch both of those back to back on Sunday, October 31st. That is my way to every year. That's how I close the series up or my my movie binge for the month of October. And then I probably won't watch a horror movie for like another three months because you're done. I've, I've watched all of them and not all of them are great. I watched M. Night Shyamalama Ding Dong's fucking old the other night. It was meh. Yeah, meh. Nah. That's how I feel about 
a good portion of his movies. Yeah, but he's I mean, so good with some other ones. Like it's, it's so inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. He's I mean he's obviously got classics and great films, but then he's also got others that are just so far off the mark. And I think a lot of it too, the problem, you know, Sixth Sense being your first movie and as well done as that was to just completely deceive the entire audience, despite giving you so many fucking clues throughout the entire movie. And once you know the twist, spoiler alert, too late. He's fucking dead the whole time. But there's when you watch it back the second time or any time after the first one, it's like, oh, God, how did I not notice? Like, how did I not? And right. I'm good at figuring fucking movies out, and that never crossed my mind. Yeah, that one that one was good. M. Night Shyamalan's twists are good when, when he's on his game. Right, you but know? what I was saying is, like, unfortunately, when you set the bar that high with such a fucking mind-blowing twist, I mean, that was on par with, like, War of the Worlds as far as just deceiving a mass amount of the society until they finally realize what's going on. But now he feels like every movie he has to have this fucking brilliant, genius twist, and that's that's got to be pressure. Yeah, well, and he did another great job of this with, uh, and this does fall into, I would consider it a horror movie realm with the movie Split. Right. You know, when which you, I think is a great movie. Which you find out at the very end, this was a secret sequel to Unbreakable. Unbreakable. Yeah. You know, that was like fucking brilliant, man. Yeah. You know, fucking brilliant. And then he came out with Glass, which I. I liked Glass. It was good for what it was. It gave closure to a trilogy, but it, it was clearly the weakest of the three films. Right, but I will also give it the award of worst cameo ever by M Night Shyamalan Ding Dong. Oh, because he forcefully put himself into that movie. He makes a cameo in all three movies. He he makes cameo in every movie. Right. Well, I'm okay. Yes, and but in this one, it was so awkward and forceful. Like when he shows up there, he's in their tech room, mm-hmm. and he's like, "Hey, uh." Did you used to work at the stadium as a security guard? Oh. He's like, yeah. He's like, man, I've had a, those were back in my bad days. I've really turned things around. Like, no one asked you, dude. I remember Buy that. Buy your now. shit and get the fuck out. Yeah, it turned into like a Stan Lee, you know, cameo yeah, where it was it's so just, bad. It's shoehorned in. Yeah, it was so and bad. That was them trying to basically realize, fuck, we have him in the same universe of a movie he's already shown up in in Unbreakable, where he got frisked by, you know, Bruce Willis in the stadium. So, of course, they can't bring him back as a different character, so they have to shoehorn him in. I don't see why not. Yeah, you could. I, I'm saying that's in his mind of continuity. Yeah. he That's why, and that's where I'm talking about, like, with twists and shit, he's just... He's got this pressure that he's got on himself that he has to make every movie better than the last. I mean, no one, as musicians, think about it. You know, we write music or I'm putting out albums or you want every single thing that you do to be better than the last one. Because if there's any drop off, it's like, well, why am I still doing this? I've peaked. So, of course, he has that natural egocentric human emotion of wanting to make every single movie better than the last. But it's so hard when Sixth Sense was the first fucking thing you yeah. did. Yeah. And it was so fucking brilliant. Set the bar high and has been trying to catch that again for every movie. So Yeah. And just like Blair Witch, when Blair Witch came out, they went so far with their marketing and all of that shit that they were releasing documentaries on completely other channels, like the Learning Channel and shit, yep. about the Blair Witch and about this camera crew. So, like, when you asked me earlier what other movie kind of messed me up, I was going between the Blair Witch Projects and the one that I said, Flatliners. Mm -hmm. I was trying to figure out which one. Flatliners definitely freaked me out more, but I was a sucker for the whole Blair Witch Projects thing. Like, I was fully fooled. Like, I was their target audience because I watched the documentaries. I'm like, oh my God, this is so real. And it's one of the few movies that, like, and I was a teenager when I came out. When I watched it, I literally had trouble sleeping that night. And that, that doesn't happen to me very often. So it's one of those movies that just re-triggered you know, that fear in me. And I was See, I was an adult when that came out and I saw it in the theater on opening night. So after having like there's where you're not getting reviews and it was brilliant of them to use, you know, cast people that no one knew who the fuck they were. Right. So there was 
oh, that's Chris Farley. I know he doesn't die for real. Like, they did everything they could to keep you. And again, just like I said with Sixth Sense, it's a very War of the Worlds kind of thing where they just really put a lot of effort into just fooling people. I mean, I was on the fence when I went and saw it at the theater. I wasn't 100% sold that this is real or this is fake, but I wasn't sure. And then when you watch the movie, the way that they make it and just the way that it ends is so fucking disturbing. Yeah. There's no closure. You just have, and you can hear, you know, because you've got the one guy with a camera that doesn't have any audio on it. And then she's got or no, he had the audio and she had a camera that didn't have audio on it. So she's screaming, but you can hear her off in the distance. And you just have to understand from a filmmaking perspective and how cameras work that you're seeing what he's seeing, but you're hearing her from a different room or upstairs. And then just him standing in the corner at the very end. And then you just see the camera fall to the ground and that's it. I mean... (laughs) Fuck me. Yeah, that movie movie got me, but I'd never seen another... Ver- or another sequel to that movie because when I did learn that everything was fake, I was just kind of like, "Well, fuck you guys," <laughs> you know. Like, I'm, see, I don't, I don't even think "fuck you." The, I'll tell you, the sequels sucked balls, but yeah. well, they wouldn't have that same magic. That's why I was like, "Fuck right. you!" You ruined me wanting to see the other ones, like, right? Okay. And, and they don't bother trying to do the other ones in like a found film footage. It's they just turned it into like movies, so it it loses its magic altogether. But clearly, you know, the found footage genre got huge after that because now people saw the formula and what do I need to do? And I mean, even like the conversations that they have in that movie, it's so much of the conversation is just mundane or them bitching about the same thing over and over again. You lost the map or where's the map? Let me see the map, Heather, who I'm out of cigarettes, blah, blah, blah. Like there wasn't a whole lot of intrigue if you boil it down. Like well, That's what you, made it real. Right. If you just read the script, if someone typed the script up based on what was said and you just read it, You'd be like, well, that was a fucking waste of the last two hours of my life. But yeah. they did it so fucking brilliantly. Uh, a good found footage movie that just came out, uh, it's on the, the app Shutter. is VHS. Yeah, I've heard of that. That's several years old, right? Well, there's a new one. Uh, I forget what its subtitle is, but it's the newest one that just okay. came out. I haven't seen the original either. And it, it's pretty fun because when I was watching it, it's three different stories. You know, in one movie. So they're telling, you know, that kind of scary stories to tell in the dark dark sort of thing. Except scary stories to tell in the dark fucked it up and they didn't tell different stories. They tried to blend it all into one fucking fair. Yeah, they they did. Um, But this movie was, it it was, it's just exactly what a good found footage movie is. And the first episode in that movie is they're actually in Westerville, Ohio. Oh, wow. Which is not too far from where we live, so. So, all right, so we'll get off the topic of horror movies. Clearly, we're both huge fans. Make sure that you guys go check out Stevie's channels where you can find him constantly talking and reviewing movies that aren't necessarily just horror, but he does have an affinity for horror. So you can look up Film Trigger on YouTube. That's it. All right. So now let's talk about haunted houses. So I want to talk about both, quote, unquote, real. (laughs) Thank you, Jeff. Real haunted houses. And amusement haunted houses, like we have the haunted hoochie down the road, the yeah. places that you go. So let's just start with those. I fucking hate them. I hate them too. Okay. Yeah, I, 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 I don't ever have a desire to go to one. And if I ever do have a desire to go to one, it would be to work at one. That makes sense. That, that's, I would, that's the only time you'll ever find me there is if I'm working one. Other than that... Nope, not a big fan of it. I will jump. I I, I will scare the shit out of me. Right. I, I don't want. I don't want to do that. Sorry. I mean, yeah. so it's not that roller coaster excitement for me. It's like, who the fuck are you? I will fucking hit you. Get away from me. Right. You know, like yeah. And I've had bad experiences. I'll be honest. As a kid, in the younger days, I used to enjoy them. I used to like them. I was knocked out cold by a. Well, let me set this up. So I was. It was this haunted house where it started out in this indoor area and then you were in these groups and you would have like a guide that would, you know, kind of progress you through the areas. And you went outside, you walked through this big grass field and then you would go through this barn that had the doors open on both sides so you could kind of see through the middle of the barn. But there were people hiding behind like horse stall doors and shit like that that would jump out at you while you were going through the barn. While we're in the grassy area and the group is walking toward the entrance to the barn, my shoe had been untied, which was driving me crazy. I was probably 14 years old or so. I was there with my friend Chris Tabaka and his family. I stop. I kneel to tie my shoe. 
And by the time I'm done tying my shoe, I look up and the group has now gone into the barn and I'm kind of by myself in this little grassy area. So I start to run to rejoin the group. And apparently one of the characters with a chainsaw that had a, it's like a, a half door, like an upper half of a door in a stall. Once the group passed, he would swing it open and then scare them from behind with his chainsaw. He didn't realize there was a straggler running to catch up <laughs> and swung this door open. Next thing I know, I wake up, I'm laying on my back. The chainsaw dude, the a werewolf guy, they're all just huddled around me. Are you okay, man? That's even more frightening almost. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that started... It wasn't the last haunted house I went to, but that definitely started to make it feel a little bit too real. What an interesting parallel you have here with um, you being knocked out unconscious around Halloween. Yeah, I know. With my recent yep. potential concussion of my decorations. So, yeah, it's very unusual. But, yeah, so <laughs> I'm glad we agree no haunted houses. Now, yeah. well, real quick, I do want to say uh, I was thinking, like, why did I stop going? Because I used to like going to haunted houses as a kid. And I think I realized that like, I always hid behind my dad. You know, my dad was a big man, you gotcha. know, so I always hid behind him. Then when I grew up and realized- Everyone's like, hiding behind you. Well, and I, I'm like, fuck y'all, get in front of me. You yeah. know, like I, was like, like, I think that's when I was like, nope, I'm done here. I am not, I am not man enough to lead this pack. Sorry. Yeah, no, I can't do it either. So real haunted houses. Now, I don't believe I did recently do a one week in October- tour of different places in Ohio. I stayed in some of the most haunted hotels, haunted rooms in those hotels or houses. I didn't find anything. I was almost like tempting fate, like trying. I had a Ouija board out. I'm yelling at the spirits, like trying to get something to fucking happen. Nothing did. However, I know that you and I differ on this. Yeah. So I want you to maybe explain. And trust me, I've had experiences in my life that I should believe, but it just, uh, my logic takes over. So, but I, I want to hear about like maybe an experience or two that you had that is the reason that you say, without doubt, I believe. Um, I'd have to say the quickest story to tell would be uh, my friends and I, there's this house in Hilliard called the Roberts Road House. You know, it was known to be haunted and all these things. And In Hilliard? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, it's no oh, longer Oh, yeah, there. yeah, yeah. I used to drive past that all the freaking time. Yeah. So my band director, Mr. Crumley, lived like two houses down from it. Right. So we... Um, we were dared to go there on October 31st, oh, you boy. know, and like we brought video cameras and did this whole thing. And like, we were just like, Ooh, spooky, whatever. Right. And just to paint the picture for people, this is a very rural back roads fucking like, there's not really properties around it. There's no street lights anywhere. This isn't like some house in a neighborhood. This is a fucking spooky old rundown house with yeah. weeds everywhere on a fucking back road. Right. And, and on the inside of it, it's stuck in like the 1950s. Like it's been, sitting to the elements for a very long time. Right. So we go in, we do things, and then we start hearing shit. And we're like, ah, that was kind of scary, you know? And then when we left the house, and we have footage of this, or I have footage of it somewhere on a VHS, mm -hmm. but we pan the camera up, and I swear to God, you see something in the window, and it fucking just disappears. And we just hauled ass out of there. And that's when I got that roller coaster fear. Right. And multiple times since then, that eventually what uh, began my interest in ghost hunting. We went back to the house with a professional ghost hunter from uh, COPS, Central Ohio Paranormal, uh, Central Ohio Paranormal Society, um, which are their affiliates with TAFs, with ghost hunters that you see on TV. Mm -hmm. And we brought him on and we did the same exact thing. Just went through the house. We had a whole team of people and you know, we've heard a little things here and there, but there's this one moment where we are holding the camera at chest level and my buddy goes, oh, do you see that cobweb right there? And then as soon as he says that, he's like, whoa, w was that a fucking cobweb? And it was like one of those weird things. Like, I don't know. It could have been a cobweb. Mm -hmm. It just it, it made a definitive shape. Well, we gave that footage to the guy from COPS. And he came back. He's like, dudes, you guys got a full body apparition on this thing. And he showed us a tape. And you can see this see through it looks like a side of a head and a shoulder walk towards your camera and just fucking disappear hmm. and that was what that possible cobweb thing but you the only difference is you can see it manifest and then you can see it actually steps off 
camera and then that's when it disappears those two things there are what started my love for ghost hunting you know and i ended up creating my own team years down the road and a whole bunch of other evidence that i can i can go on and on about it and of course someone like me i would say light shadow right and and i and i don't dispute that and also like you know the the idea that we do manifest things in our own mind based on certain situations and emotions that we're experiencing. So if your fear is incredibly heightened, it, is it possible that you might see or hear something that you didn't actually see or hear? Right. Yes. But that's the great part of having technology with you. With the fact that we were looking at this with our own eyes and we had the camcorder chess level, the camcorder picked up what we saw with our own eyes. And that, that was like what I found the most magical about it. But moving on, there's uh, been a lot of instances where I've gotten what they call EVPs, electronic voice phenomenon. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a lot of them are just like random noises or whatever, but there's been very clear names said, like, George, when I'm asking, what's your name? And I'd hear, clear as day, George. And that stuff is, I, I can't dispute that. Right. And I think... You know, uh, the first time I really compared this type of fear to a roller coaster was when we were we were at um, Greenlawn Avenue uh, Cemetery. Mm-hmm. It was like three in the morning, and I was kind of standing alone. And we had a couple good hits. You know, like I heard something in my like. Oh, when you said a couple good hits, I was oh, like, no, 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 well, no. that would explain it. No, no, uh, we had a couple good catches. You know, with our own eyes and our own ears. And I even had a name whispered into my ear, and, but nobody was around me. So I'm just sitting there, sitting on one of the stone seats that they have there, and I'm looking not too far from me, and I see the headstones, and I can see these shadows going in between them, and unexplained shadows. It was a fairly lit area that I was looking into, so like whatever was there would have been lit also, mm-hmm. but these weren't lit. And when I saw that, I got scared but excited. I didn't even tell anybody that night. I just sat there and smiled and said, wow. I feel like, I think I just saw my first shadow people, you know, and that's an easy rabbit hole to go down, you know, because that's why every time I try to do an investigation, I always try to do it with an open mind. I always try to debunk things that, you know, before I'd say, oh, that's exactly what that was. You mm-hmm. know, I, I try to be scientific about it. But over the years, it's gotten to the point where I've had to stop doing it. I've what I consider have brought things home that have done very intense things to my emotional state, to my uh, dream state, and started affecting people in the house to where I had to stop doing it. And I've stopped. I, gotcha. I don't I don't go ghost hunting anymore at all because of that. You know, and I think right. I think that's a pretty good dynamic for why I believe in these things. Right. And I've I've had I mean look, as a teenager, late nights, friends, my brother, whatever I would use the Ouija board all the time, and I was totally convinced that we weren't moving it, that this, you know, we were talking to other spirits. Another weird thing, when I had a house near the Grove City area, so southern central Ohio, I had a dog and a cat both found dead when I came home from work in a just a several-month period at the bottom of the basement steps. Both the dog and the cat were nowhere close to old age. I mean, the dog was like three years old, and the cat was maybe five. And one day I came home from work. The dog is just dead at the bottom of the stairs. Then a couple months later, I come home. My cat is now dead at the bottom of the stairs. Then I became a stay-at-home dad shortly after that. And I remember one time I had to go pee. It was a ranch, and then the the door in the kitchen went down to the basement. And I normally had a baby gate up that would go from the living room into the kitchen. And my daughter was, I don't know, maybe two, so she was walking but not great. Um, And I had to go pee, and I had just let – so that maybe this happened before the dog and the cat because I had just opened the garage door to let the dog out from the kitchen, and I hadn't put the baby gate back up because I had to pee so bad. In the time it took me to pee while I'm peeing, I hear, my daughter had fallen down those steps. She was perfectly fine, not even a bruise on her body. As a matter of fact, I'm paranoid. I'm checking and touching every little area of her little body. And within a matter of like a minute, she starts giggling and laughing because it's tickling her. Um, So, yeah, that happened first. But then it was the dog shortly after that and then the cat. So, again, things that are like. That can seem supernatural. It well, it's it's hard to consider that a coincidence. Again, I mean, a cat, a cat 
laying in the exact same spot at the bottom of the steps. I understand my dog. She was a Sharpe. She had a genetic knee issue, and maybe she tried to go down the stairs, and her legs gave out, and she slipped and broke her neck or something. I don't know. My cat... And cats are very agile. Yeah. So for her to be laying in the exact same position, dead, at the bottom of the exact same steps. So my point being is while I don't believe, uh, there's always still that you know part of me in the back of my mind where it's like, you know, maybe. Right. It's, I, I'm not 100%. And so I don't poo-poo any of the things that you said that you've seen. I have had experiences where, you know, if you would have asked me 10 years ago before I became this cynical piece of shit, I would have said, yeah, I, I think I believe in ghosts. But that's why I did that thing a few years ago where it's like, fuck it, I'm going to test it. See, this is where I, I kind of um, have issues with how you did that, because I don't fall into the gimmicky side of things. I don't I wouldn't do a Ouija board. But I, I didn't do that everywhere. I only did that on night two of the house in Buxton. Right. Well, again, like the Buxton, great place. I've played there quite a few times, but very well known for its hauntings. Right. But when people start marketing that, I call that gimmicky. Right. So okay. like, I, I won't stay the night in a haunted hotel room, you know, or or anything like that. I like to go dive deep into these places that people don't go into. So like when you have a pretty quiet place and you come in and disturb things a little bit, you're more likely to actually see something happen if it were to happen. Right. As opposed to when you're at a hotel and it's constant people in and out, in and out, it, it becomes its own ambient noise. Right. You know, and maybe if spirits are real, they're just kind of like, fuck it, whatever, let's just enjoy the show. You right. Know, like, and I did go off the beaten path. I mean, there were certain graveyards that were, you know, I'd researched that were rumored, but they were way out in the middle of nowhere. Nobody was there. It was maybe like 30 stones in the entire cemetery yeah. to the point where I remember one of them, I was worried that I was going to run out of gas before I could get Get back to where any civilization was to find a gas station because it was that far off the beaten path and I didn't expect it to take me that far, which was why I was so low on gas. So not everything I did was totally just, you know, gimmicky. Um, and I'll tell you, some of those places I went to, they were creepy as fuck. Yeah. Um, and you get that vibe. But then, you know, my rationale in my own head is like, well, how much of that is me putting the idea into my own head more so than if these tombstones weren't here and I was just standing in a small little patch of grass, would it feel creepy? Right. And that's when validity can come into play. Like when... Um the, the one, the moment that I had to, that I realized I had to stop, rewind a few days earlier. I went to, a gra I'm big on graveyards, especially older ones, because mm -hmm. I, I, I feel that there are a lot of just kind of restless souls roaming around. But I was so like ready just to show me something that I was doing what you would uh, consider like inviting, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, I can't think of the Taunting, word. Yeah, yeah. It, exactly. But not in an unhealthy way. I'm like, hey, won't come home with me. Show me, show me what about your life, you know, all these right. different things. And I did that. And, and that was just your date. Yeah. <laughs> well, ironically, I had my my girlfriend who I we lived together at the time. She was with me, and she thought I was a fucking crazy crazy head. So we went home. A few days later, I just started noticing little things, and like I started having very morbid dreams. Mm -hmm. Like I would get up and draw them, and I'm just like, God, this is sick. What I'm dreaming about. And then it got to the point to where I felt like I was being watched. I became paranoid. Then I started seeing things that weren't there. Mm -hmm. It was it was a very odd, like I was like I was sick. And I didn't know how to like express it to this girlfriend who didn't believe in any of that stuff. She was very cynical like you. Oh, and oh it came down to the point where I had to literally open up to her and said, I think I brought something home mm -hmm. and I think it's in our closet. Because every time I turned my back to that thing, like it literally, like I'm getting goosebumps just talking about it. Like I felt like something was on my neck. Like I couldn't sleep. And then I'd have the morbid dreams. And I shit you not, Jeff, two seconds after I did that, our dog who never did it before and never did it after, came in and viciously started barking at the closet. <gasps> and that's when she looks at me and she goes, you can't do that anymore. And I'm like, I, I agree. Yeah, good idea. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, was, I, I agree. And it took a while for it to fizzle off. But ever since then, even though I, I'm very curious, I still want to go out there and like, you know, get that fear factor. But mm -hmm. I realized that I'm not prepared for whatever I could bring. Right. So I just... Keep it over there now. Right. Better safe than sorry. Exactly. Gotcha. Well, this was a good segment because it was a little creepy. So the Halloween episode does not just have to be about silliness. We should have a little creep in there. Yeah. All right. So on the heels of our spooky haunting discussions, I want to talk about like favorite Halloween memories. Maybe it was a costume that you had, a party you went to. Uh, my favorite Halloween memory would actually be a Halloween party. 
I and a few friends hosted. And we hosted it at my friend's parents' house who lived out in, you know, out in the farmland and all this stuff. Mm-hmm. A very rural area. Rural. Um, and we decided, like, it was going to be a huge bonfire. You know, we're talking, like, country bonfire. Like, the it, before you burn it, the pile's 10 feet taller than anybody there. It's like Sam Hain. Did you wear animal heads and skins? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Sam Hain. They had this very creepy basement. Like most basements just look creepy. Like just, unfinished. Yeah, yeah, just unfinished. And it was it was an older house. So we decided to actually turn it into a haunted house. You know, and we invited our friends over and we we did the whole haunted house thing. Like they had a deep freezer we had to clean out and we, we popped oh, out geez. of it. Oh, yeah, we popped out of it. We'd had a whole scene where uh, somebody cut off my hand, you know, which is actually kind of fucked up because I, my the hand I was holding that he cut off was fake with the machete he was using. Was oh, my real. God. Um, <laughs> uh, and then when my hand would get knocked off, I'd use that as a as my way to turn and I'd type on my phone, uh, I would call this number, which rang the phone that was down there and it was a very old rotary phone. Oh, so nice. Bring! It would ring really loudly and then when that happened, uh, her dad uh, started to chainsaw. You know, Did he it, it, it didn't have a chain on okay. it. He, 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 I was going to ask because of the machete. Right, yeah, that was... Uh, Hi anyway. and welcome to the least safe haunted house any kid <laughs> has ever been a part of. <laughs> yeah, and... Uh, yeah, so it was it was just a lot of fun. The haunted house was executed very well. We scared people; they ran out of the fucking place. And then we got drunk and had a bonfire, and it was great. It, nice. it, it's one of my favorite Halloween memories. I used to do that for trick or treat, where I would deck out not at this house, but my garage and an old house I had, where I would put up black sheeting, and I would bring friends over to like kind of be dressed like scarecrows or things that you, you thought were props in the corner. And it was always about subtle movements, like yeah. not like just crazy jump scares, strobe lights that were like foot switch actuated and all kinds of stuff. So I love scaring the shit out of little kids. I still do that, but not to that extreme. What would you say is the favorite, like the best costume? The, like, you know, the one that you thought, man, I nailed it. Oh, um, that's actually a very hard question to answer because growing up, I had a mother that would always want to make my costumes gotcha. for me. And I'd be like, Mom, I want to be a ninja. And well, say, even as an adult, you know, is there something as an adult you've done? Um, I'd have to say one that I did that I put together last minute, and I ended up winning a costume contest. Uh, I didn't plan on going out, mm-hmm. and I, but they're like, hey, we're doing a, a costume party at, at this bar at the lake, and... I just threw random shit together. I had an old torn up sweater I put on. I had a black uh, vinyl uh, apron, you know, okay. for like working right. in, you know, kitchens for dishes and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Uh, I had these purple latex gloves I put on. And then I had a bloodied bandana and I had these weird, like almost steampunk goggles that you could put on. And then I had, you know, a, a face mask, you know, with the with the uh, filters on it, but it was all black. Mm-hmm. And I just showed up, just called myself the executioner. Nice. I'm like, I'm like, okay, this is dumb, whatever, but at least I have a costume. Sounds there. like the dude at, from the end of. Uh... House of a Thousand Corpses. Yeah, it actually was very much in that light. With those weird goggles and the yep. ooze that would come out of his mouth. Right, and he had the mask on, yeah. too. Yeah, it was it was actually very similar to that. You know, just very hastily done. That's and, a creepy character. Right, and I didn't realize how creepy I made this costume, because I literally didn't buy anything. It's right. just stuff I had at the house. I, want to, I showed up, won a fucking costume contest. Nice. Not, not, not even a fucking clue that I knocked it out of the park. I'm like, damn. I must have done well. Very well. But when it comes to actually like dressing up for Halloween and buying costumes, I'm not one to actually go out and buy a costume. I might maybe I get that from my mom because I now will just make my own shit and just come up with my own character. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Well, speaking of House of a Thousand Corpses. Probably the favorite costume as an adult that I've ever done was Captain Spaulding, which because I have bald head and I grew, I mean, I planned months in advance my facial hair to be just like his. I did all of my own face paint. I made a, I couldn't find like the full outfit like that he would have without buying something and spending a ton of money. So he, there's a scene in, in the movie where he's wearing this t-shirt that has like a hot dog on the back. I wanted to hear an asshole, I'd fart. Yes. Yes. And I used like the iron-on transfers that you could buy at Staples to make that shirt on a white t-shirt and then I just had like kind of big flowing like almost pajama pants that looked a little clowny right um so I was more the Captain Spaulding kind of off-duty 
Captain Spaulding. But which, I'm a, which is has its merit because there is that version of him in the movie. Yeah, so, for sure. Perfect. And I'm always the type of person where when I am like that at a Halloween party or wherever, I am in character the whole time. I remember going as George W. Bush one year and it's like, you sh- everything, you know, you say to me, I'm going to answer you like George Bush. Hey, I got to take a piss. Where's your bathroom? <laughs> Uh, that I, was a I, good year. I, I, I really want to hear your Spalding impression. And don't forget my tasty fried chicken. Tastes so damn good. That was probably super loud into the microphone. <laughs> that was years ago, but yeah. Uh, I would like to see that. That'd be, that'd be a cool it one. It was good. I don't even think I have pictures of it at this point because the only picture I ever posted of it was on MySpace. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that was around the time you and I became friends because I, I had a MySpace. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't want to join this new Facebook thing. Yeah, Come what's on. this stupid book of face? That's never going to take I off. I got MySpace. <laughs> All right, before we wrap up, are you ready? All right, kids. It's time for... Jeff's Asshole Trivia! That's right. It's the trivia game show where Jeff is an asshole and tries to make his guests feel like an idiot. Not a trivia show about Jeff's asshole. Yay! All right. Once again, we have another installment of Jeff's Asshole Trivia. As you heard in the theme song, this is not trivia about my asshole. This is me trying to be a total fucking dick and make my guests sound like a total fucking moron. Now, in most instances, it has not worked out in my favor. The guests usually do a lot better than I think. Now, we're doing, because of the nature of this episode and because of Stevie's affinity for horror films, this is a horror film trivia theme Now, I have tried to be an asshole on these questions, so we'll see how well you do. As always, you have 10 questions, and we'll do a bonus question and 11th question, usually in the event that you're five for five. Right. But we'll still do the question regardless because I have it. All right, question one. This is a multiple choice. How many total movies were made combined for the Jason, Freddy, and Michael Myers franchises? Is it 31, 32... Or 33? It's not 31. I'd have to say 33. Oh, sorry. It's 32. God damn it. You were correct (laughs) with the fact that it wasn't 31, but it's 32 movies. So I know that's a difficult one because you're trying to do all this math in your head. And then there's also like the crossover between Freddy versus Jason, which I only counted once. Okay, number two. Wes Craven is well-known for the Nightmare on Elm Street and Scream franchises. Prior to making horror movies, what genre of film was Wes Craven most well-known for? Porn. That is correct. (laughs) Son of a bitch! I thought I might get you on that one. All right. It is well documented that Michael Myers' mask is a William Shatner mask. What was the other mask that was mocked up for the film before realizing that the Shatner mask was the obvious choice? You don't need to give me the name of the person, but just the style of the mask is sufficient. I have no idea. It is uh, the hobo clown mask. Uh, His name was Emmett Kelly. He was a very famous... Like hobo clown with like the stubble painted on his face. So the when they sent the person to go buy a mask, he went to this occult shop or some type of shop like that. And the two masks that he bought were the William Shatner mask and the Emmett Kelly mask. And immediately, like he didn't think the Emmett Kelly one just looked right. And immediately when they tried the Shatner mask, it was like, this is it. All right, you're one for three. You got me. So So far. far. So far. This is how the last one started, and then you went on a roll. All right, here is, you should probably be able to get this. Don't set your bar too high. In Rob Zombie's 2007 remake of John Carpenter's Halloween, Dr. Loomis is played by Malcolm McDowell, most notably known for his lead role in what Stanley Kubrick dystopian crime thriller? Clockwork Orange. That is correct. So, all right, there you go. I thought you might get that one. A lot of people don't realize because he's so much older, but that's one of the reasons I love him as Loomis because I just have such a love for his character in A Clockwork Orange. Yeah, and he also played Zod in the uh, 1978 Superman movie. That's right. All right, so you are two for four, so not doing as bad as you should. (laughs) All right. Now, I know we had a discussion, the movie Malignant, that I watched recently, and was not a huge fan. 
I know you really like the movie, and you said yeah. it's like a guilty pleasure. Yeah. So I'm just going to be an asshole with this question. In Malignant, the main character's name is what? And I will give you a multiple choice. Haley, Kylie, or Madison? I have no idea because you're playing into one of my biggest faults, and it's a fact I can never remember characters' names. I think you knew that when you wrote that question. No, no, I just, <laughs> I just, I know that because we've ribbed each other about the movie. Yeah, I wanted to like be like, well, how much do you like it? Uh, dude, there's my favorite movies. I still have trouble remembering the characters' well, names. Well, take a guess: Haley, Kylie, or Madison. Haley seems like the one that sticks out the most. I don't know if it's because you said it first, but it is Madison. That is incorrect. That is so shitty of me. That's my niece his name oh <laughs> stevie wah, wah, wah. Well, you really did make me look like an asshole on that one huh? yes that's <laughs> that's the point all right you are two for five all right here we go number six in the 1982 steven spielberg classic poltergeist what is the name of the father played by craig t nelson the last name is not necessary just what is his first name i couldn't tell you take a guess greg Steven. Oh, see? Not, it's your name, see? and it's also the name of Steven Spielberg. I gave you the hint right there. I'm so... The, well, and the part yeah. that always sticks out to me is when he he's holding onto the rope, and his wife is going into the closet uh, to try and get Carol Ann, and the little midget lady, the oracle or whatever she is, he gets panicky, and he starts to pull on the rope, and she goes, no! Steven, not see, yet. See, now I remember that. Right. But like I could never I could never remember characters. Well, that's names. why I thought you and again, I don't I don't know that you're horrible with names. So, I don't think I have any other names <laughs> in here. So, you don't have to worry about that. That's I wasn't purposely I think it's just ironic. The first one was my niece's name and the second one is, is my your name. name. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I thought that that one was a good asshole one, because if you got it wrong, it's like, it's your fucking name, Stevie. <laughs> All right. You have gotten, what, two of six? Yep. Yes. All right. What film? You're probably not going to get this one. That's okay. I'm being an asshole. You guys understand this isn't, Stevie's not actually a total fucking moron. Jeff is just a really big asshole. Yay! What film was A Quiet Place? You know that movie? Mm -hmm. What film was it originally supposed to be a sequel for? Oh, that's a good question. Um, and this is a movie that I have watched in the last 25 days. I'll give you a hint. It is a found footage movie. I don't know. I want to say Blair Witch Project, but that's because it's the... It's Cloverfield. What? Yeah. I didn't know. I did not know that yeah. at all. Which, if you think about it, these weird creatures and stuff like that, who knows like what would have happened after you know humanity was basically wiped off. You know, Maybe these are smaller versions of the creatures in a quiet place. Well, yeah, and Cloverfield has its own like secret branches of movies, mm -hmm. you know, so that, that makes perfect sense. Which the one with uh, John Goodman, Cloverfield Lane or whatever, awesome. It's a great movie. Yeah, great movie. I, I mean, I love Cloverfield. I think it is fucking brilliantly done. Okay. You're only at two, and we're we're seven questions in. Oh, yeah. I'd totally bomb this one. I think you're going to get this next one. I think. In the original Friday the 13th, how many people does Jason kill on screen? Oh, dude, I have no idea. Zero. Oh, fuck. Trick question. <laughs> I should have thought about that one a little bit more. Right, Trick it's his, question. It's mommy. Yeah, that's time. right. Now, technically, when they added the scene at the end where he comes out of the lake and pulls her off the boat or whatever. She shows up in the next movie, though. Right. So it, it looked like a kill, but you don't yeah. see her die. So, oh, this is awesome. All right. In the late 1950s, Ed Gein, I think it's Gein or Gein, a serial killer known for exhuming dead bodies and fashioning them into trophies and company, was the inspiration for what classic 1960 horror-slash-thriller film? Yeah, Leatherface. Ch Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Psycho. Oh. You should have really? listened to the keyword, the 1960. Yeah, so Norman Bates was based on... There's been other people that have been based on... I know the serial on, killer you're talking about. So I, I and I, I do think Leatherface is based on him, but that's why I said the classic 1960s. Yeah, I don't know what year um, Texas Chainsaw came out. It was probably like 76 was or 77. Okay. Yeah. Okay. This is awesome. <laughs> I feel so happy. I'm such a good asshole. All right. This is the tenth question. You've only gotten two right so far. Maybe you'll get this. What was the first quote unquote finger quote? 
Roots horror film based on I uh, horror. That's another word like rural. rural. Horror. horror. All right. What was the first horror film based on its genre to be nominated for a Best Picture Oscar? It, did you Did you have a year on that again? No, but I'm going to guess it's 70s. 70s horror movie. First one to be nominated for Best Picture. Not, you know, I'm sure other horror films had fallen into well, certain. That, that, that'd be Halloween, wouldn't it? No, sorry. It's The Exorcist. Fuck. Yeah. That's okay. That's okay. Halloween, actually, if you think about it, in its first year that it was released, it would have never gotten noticed by the Oscars because it didn't really start to pick up steam until year two and three when it was starting to get re-released in theaters. Oh, yeah. Do you know how many theaters? This is just a side question. Do you know how many theaters Halloween was released on? It released in on its first day of release? Five. One. Oh. They were afraid of what the response was going to be, so they only released it in, I want to say, like, Oklahoma City or something, or Kansas City. They were afraid of what its response would be, in, even after The Exorcist came out? Well, they, just, they it was because of the money they had, like, from a distribution, no one would distribute it for them, so they had to do it themselves. So instead of just trying to do a big release and possibly lose a bunch of money, they thought, well, let's go put it in a small city. If it doesn't do well, no one's going to hear about it. If it does really well, we'll move it into other markets and use these numbers to do so. And that's obviously what happened. So Gotcha. Um, it was, yeah, just released in one single theater. Yeah, I think it was actually Kansas City. Okay, here's the bonus question. You have miserably failed. And I am so tickled. Is a pumpkin a fruit or a vegetable? It's a gourd, which would fall into a vegetable. Sorry, it is a fruit. I'll tell you what, moving forward in life, if you want to try, like, the easiest way to figure <sighs> out. It's the seeds, isn't it? It's the seeds. Now, right. granted, that doesn't work with, like, jalapenos and bell my, peppers. My, my, it's funny you said that because my first... I was trying to think of that that rule, and my first thing that popped in my head was a bell pepper. And I'm like, ah, vegetable. Right. Yeah. So, all right. Well, you got two out of 11, right? It is and a... Pl plus plus a, a secret 12th question that you asked. <laughs> right. So, yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm not complaining. This is how these segments are supposed to go when you guys are just fucking knocking it out of the park left and right. It's It may be entertaining for you. It's not entertaining for me. I don't know what the audience wants, but... Well, watching your face light up with joy every with question I joy. sucked at. Yes. yes. It was fantastic. Hey, Stevie, <laughs> I've had an awesome time discussing Halloween with you. Make sure that you guys go check out Stevie. Do a search on YouTube for Film Trigger, and you will find him. He's got all kinds of stuff out there. He does live watch parties. He does film reviews. I was just part of a live watch party last Saturday. We did Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. Beetlejuice, that's Beetle right. Jeff. Beetle Jeff, yes, because I was in full Beetlejuice costume for the most part the whole night. Well, not face paint, but Stevie, as always, it is a pleasure to have you on the show, and I know we're going to have you on the show here very soon for our discussion on religion versus science, which should be pretty exciting. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Can't wait. Oh! <laughs> Inside joke. <laughs> All right, thank you, Stevie. I hope you have a very... Happy and haunted, well, not in the closet, Halloween. I will. Thank you, By Jeff. the way, I'm pretty sure that your ghost is gay because it was trying to come out of the closet. <laughs> <laughs> your oh, dog okay. is gay, too. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, have a great Halloween. Be safe. Thank you for tuning in. Until next time, I'm Jeff. Sam Hain, Michael, and I'm Jeff. Good night.